you're listening to the Stuttering School podcast, I'm your host, Daniele Rossi, but you can call me Danny because as I just told my guest, it's pretty hard for anybody, regardless of speech fluency or disfluency, can pronounce outside of it. Talit's any tiny name. Uh, on this episode number 242 of the podcast, I will be speaking with the editors of the book Stammering Pride and Prejudice, Difference Not Defect, through 22 essays. This book brings together new empowering voices and opinions. We have a lot of opinions in the stuttering community on stuttering from a social model perspective written for people who stutter, the general public and professionals. This book challenges the stereotype that stuttering is inherently a negative and instead is a way of speaking that is different, valuable, and can be respected. I hope that phrase came out right. What I'm saying is uh, it challenges the stereotype that stuttering is negative, but the book says, actually, it's different, it's valuable, and it can be respected. So please welcome Patrick Campbell, Christopher Constantino, and Sam Simpson, the editors of Stammering Pride and Prejudice. Welcome to my show. Thanks for having us on. So let me see. So just to give a bit of a context, Patrick is in the UK Cambridge, somewhere. England? You're in England? Cambridge, England. Cambridge, England. Uh, Sam, you're also in England, I believe? I am in England, yes. I'm in Teddington, so just outside London. And Chris, you're in my time zone, I believe. <laughs> I'm in Florida. Um, I'm on Eastern Time. Is that what you're on? Yeah, yeah. And okay. I'm recording from Toronto in Canada. So I have a few questions. This will this will generally be a free flow conversation. Um, so first, please introduce yourselves. Who the hell are you people? <laughs> no, that was supposed to be a joke, bad joke. I'll probably take it out in the final edit. Yeah. <laughs> going to go first we're all holding oh sorry yes okay we'll start with uh, sam so hello who am i um who are you (laughs) who am i yes let me just uh or i could always or i could always read from your book the bios Uh, you can remind me who i am (laughs) (laughs) well according to this book let's find that page i am a speech and language therapist that's my, my right. kind of origin <laughs> yes yes into, uh, <laughs> yeah my, my background is um as a speech and language therapist i've um worked primarily in the field of stammering as a speech and language therapist but not exclusively um and that is quite relevant because actually I worked in the field of brain injury and um aphasia in the early part of my career where Actually, the social model was was very influential in mm. um, how people worked, how people offered services and how people thought about communication disability. So I think for me, um, that that sort of cross fertilization of, of ideas has been central to uh, my work as a speech and language therapist. Um, I then went on and trained. Um, I, I, I kind of came into the profession and whilst I was interested in the science well I was interested in the science of communication disability but I was more interested in the person and I realized that quite quickly and that I wanted to then go on and train as a a counsellor and so um, yeah I've been working as a counsellor for for about 15 years now too. Nice. Chris? Hello everybody my name is Chris Um, I'm a person who stutters 
I'm also a speech therapist, and I'm a professor at Florida State University. Um, I teach the classes on stuttering and on counseling. Um, I also am recently a father, which I'm pretty oh, excited congratulations. about. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, I think that's the relevant bits of information for me. <laughs> Chris, you forgot but... to mention that you're now a world-renowned researcher. Oh, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Go on, Chris. You can, you can go on, Patrick. <laughs> so um, I saw on Twitter today that Chris is speaking in New, New York, oh, wow. at the American Institute for Stuttering, and they've, they've described him as, as world-renowned researcher, Dr. Christopher Constantino, PhD. So well, now look at I that. I know quite the, quite the quite the in, in, in introduction. <laughs> well, you're doing it for Chris, aren't you? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Very modest here, I think. <laughs> and last but not least, Patrick. Yeah, so uh, I'm Patrick. I I I I I, I stammer. Um, I live in England. <laughs> uh, I work as 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 a doctor. Um, about four years postgraduate and um, I got involved in all of this stammering social model stuff through my experience of stammering and being a person who stammers. Nice. So uh, previous episode, I had spoken to one of the uh, essay writers, I guess, I guess they're called essays, one of one of the articles in the book, uh, Debbie Holt, she was talking about the impact of shame for children who stutter and, you know, the rest of us, <laughs> a slightly older folks. So this is a great segue, like a great um, follow up episode. So I just wanted to ask, uh, how did this book come to be? I suppose I'm the one who should potentially start that story. Is that because you're in, you're listed first on the cover? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listed first by order, but ah, the alphabetical overall at sort of different <laughs> points during the book. Um, it's been a really collaborative and great experience to write. Um, so I suppose for me, the book started. Um, after so um growing up i had a lot of shame and stigma stigma around 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 stammering you used to try and hide it a lot um and for a lot of, of my life i sort of saw that as my fault that i stammered and my fault that, that i tried to hide it, the, that i stammered as i went through 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 therapy and even though i did sort of um desensitization work avoidance reduction therapy always felt like there was there was something sort of missing from or all of that and I think it was probably in 2014 um I first heard Sam talk and Sam was talking on the social model of disability as applied to to stammering and um in short the social model of disability sees um these problems being created by the environment rather than the sort of inherent impairment. So it's not it's not it's not stammering that is the problem, but rather the way is but rather the way society is structured. So mm. the way that we um, presume fluent speech is better, and that um, everything works as a fluent person would expect it to work. The world's not built for people who stammer like. 
the normal analogy used is for people uh, who need to use wheelchairs and that um, it's not the fact that the person needs to use a wheelchair that, that just disables them, but rather when there's stairs rather than the ramp, so they can't easily access things. And I just, just found this really led to a really empowering way of understanding my own speech. Um, and I suppose one day after one, one, one glass of wine too many, yeah. I said to Sam, do you know what, we should, <laughs> we, should, we should really try and bring all of this together uh-huh. and, and, and write a book. And Sam said yes straight away. Um, and that's how it was kind of born. Oh, wow. Um, so, Sam, I'm not sure if you want to kind of pick it up from, from, from there. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was, it was a conversation, wasn't it, where you were, um, well, I think it, it really interested in these ideas and interested um, in the fact that most of the writing uh, about the social model had been within a professional do- domain. And, mm. and I think your point very rightly was that there needed to be an accessible text that was um, really written for people who stammer, for their families, for their friends, um, and for the general public um, at, at large. So really have, having that bigger reach. Um, and yeah, I mean, I immediately thought it was a brilliant idea. And I, I guess what I then did was emailed JNR Press. So a big shout out really for Rachel and Jim at JNR Press, because up until that point, they'd written exclusively speech and language therapy focused um, Mm. literature and this was a very different sort of book you know when I approached them and said would you be willing to consider a book that is for the general public um, it it, it was a a gamble and um, I suppose we were very lucky that they yeah no you know send us in some information tell us a bit more about it and they have completely backed it all all the way through and um, been really supportive and encouraging so yeah big big shout out and thank you to to jnr pro where does uh or how does chris come into the picture to joining the uh dream team i guess (laughs) the trio i'm trying to be funny again i'm sorry The band. Well, I think we started, you know, when we then had that first conversation, Patrick, around, <clears throat> you know, sort of pulling together a proposal for JNR Press and thinking about what it would look like, I think <clears throat> you, were, you were probably the one that initially opened up that dialogue about really having an international feel to, to the book oh. and um, wanting, I suppose, to have multiple voices that were not just British voices. Um, and to really um, bring people together from all over the world. And I guess the, the, the voice that was resonating from afar um, for both of us um, and who was, you know, thinking about the social model, engaging in, in the, thinking about different ways of conceptualising stammering was, was Chris. So it was, it was quite a straight... I mean, we both thought of Chris straight away, really. And actually, we'd met Chris, hadn't we... Um, that summer in um portugal um right so i think that made it then much more um well much simpler i suppose in terms of that that approach and just to see whether you would be interested um and thankfully he said yes (laughs) yeah i was i was working on my phd at the time and i remember getting the email from sam and patrick saying they were they had this idea for a, a book and would i be interested in coming on as an editor and um, I remember thinking, because you know, I was in the middle of trying to graduate, and I remember thinking, this is a bad idea. 
I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I don't have time. Um, but I thought it was really important and, uh, it seemed like a, like a really nice opportunity to, um, do something that I was passionate about and interested in. And, um, like Sam had mentioned, we had met in, in Portugal, maybe like a year before at the International Fluency Association and uh, just really enjoyed my time talking with her. And um, I'm really glad that I that that they contacted me because it's it's been a lot of fun. Mm. It has been, you know, it has really been fun. I think I've, I've I would I would echo that it's um, I don't know, there's something I think I think um, businesses have been quite challenging for for people whenever we've spoken about them or um, tried to engage different um, people or, or, or communities with these ideas. Sometimes it's been quite challenging, and so I think for me it's been really cathartic actually to be able to come back and and have two people um, that that yeah I don't know I suppose kind of. Um, Singing from the same song sheet. Yes, um, yeah. And, and having values and, and willing to, to have these difficult conversations and open up a, um, a delicate dialogue. Yeah, you've uh, written that in your article. I'm just trying to. F- I'm just looking through the book now, trying to find yeah. your. There, what, page 145. There, there we go. Where you were writing about. Um, um, how academic or I think it was professional circles don't seem to want to be talking about the social model yet. You had, uh, I think uh, the story you were mentioning was um, had submitted speaking proposals regarding the social model uh, and and they were all turned down. Or, they were not, not or, uh, well, it was at a particular, it, it was, I mean, they, they have been turned down in, in, in some yeah. forums. So I, I think, um I, I think these ideas are, are challenging. Um, they are. I they, have to. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Go ahead. Well, I, well, I think um, I, you know, I suppose I was first introduced to the school through a book right back in my training, and it was really challenging and destabilizing to suddenly learn about different ways of conceptualizing different students, the ways that were really kind of grounded in, in my studies. Um, and, and to really question some of the foundations of what I was learning and training mm. um, to offer in terms of therapy as a speech and language therapist. Yet there was something, there's something that just feels very real um, about viewing difference, I suppose, as a, in, in, as, as a human rights issue rather than a therapeutic mm. issue. That wow. just really makes sense for me. Um, and I think I, although I found it difficult and destabilizing, I, I was was fascinated in it and I think enthusiastic and, and in part wanted to open up a dialogue that I really thought people would, would be interested in and, and up for the conversation with me around. And, and of course, it, it, it was challenging and difficult and, and, and hard. I didn't perhaps have the response that I'd hoped in, in some circles and, and that... It is, is completely understandable, although it hasn't always been very, very easy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I want to mention your article, just like uh, Dory's from last episode, I highlighted almost every page. There was a lot of highlights and stuff that you're saying. I'm like, that's right. That's so true. Oh, the way that she worded that. I really, I really liked how you wrote that, um, uh, restoration therapy, uh, was a paradox that you found that it's a paradox. I'm going, that's so true. Uh, because it reaffirmed like, you know, one, something like, um, you know, you're trying to make things better, but really it's, it, it's reaffirming that stigma of stuttering, which which really ties back to the previous episode about impact on shame and the judgment that people have. Mm. Yeah, that's... And that's that's just so difficult at the core of, you know, I think a lot of therapists genuinely want to make a difference and support people to live meaningful, valuable, choiceful lives. And, and yeah. I, I think for me... Um, to, to be thinking that, yes, I, I kind of narratives that I'm perpetuating if, if I'm focusing or encouraging a, a, a focus around fluency, say, are, are then becoming part of, of, of the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really difficult. That's not, that's not, that's not the intention. Um, exactly. However, possibly the impact. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And in fact, it was Patrick's article. <laughs> That really made uh, made me stop and think, scratch my head and ponder for like a good two or three days going, what? <laughs> and all that stuff, because I was going through the same thing. So long story short, for anyone who hasn't read it, it's entitled, I have it written down here somewhere for quick reference. Clearly, it's not. People with Stigma, a reflection on stigma in society and the person who stammers. So long story short, uh, I have a friend who also stutters. Um and he has a, he's what, seven years old now, son, who started stuttering. So here I am, Mr. Stuttering is Cool podcast, Frankie Banky comic making. I made a book and stutter openly, it's okay. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, how do I, what do I do? What do I say? Do I tell my friends, you know, hey, stuttering is awesome. Don't, don't worry about it. So it was one of those. I mean, he's only seven and all that stuff. So Patrick's. Patrick's article uh, questioning, should we even be giving speech therapy to kids? Like that really challenged the thinking. And then in the end, I formed my own opinions. I'm like, I'll just stay quiet and uh, be a role model of someone who speaks openly, (laughs) stutters openly and such. Would you like to uh, talk about that, Patrick? Yeah, so you mean about sort of childhood speech, speech therapy? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I think I think it is quite contentious and it goes, I think it's been very much unchallenged, this idea that we should try and return children who are three, four, five years old who start, start, start a summer. We should try and make them fluent, you know, we should mm-hmm. help them to, to, to grow out of stammering is the fairly sort of classic phrase you hear, like they yeah. need to grow up and become becomes become become stronger and there's been quite a lot of research done trying to find the best way to make children who stammer fluent um and i just think it it it's just it i mean this might help a minority of children but i think for for people who, who stammer who have been encouraged to, to be fluent but then fail to be fluent what does that say about them and how do they go on to sort of cope with that sense of failure through their lives that they've 
fail to become fluent. Um, I think, and I think I'm, I'm using sort of strong, strong, strong words like fail. And I imagine people listening to this podcast are going to say that that's a little, little bit, bit of an overreach, the term fail. But I think there is certainly an assumption um, that it would be generally better if children who stammer became fluent in mm. therapy and that fluency is, is a positive outcome. And when we've got that that sort of idea going into the minds of children, what sort of society does that breed breed breed, breed for the future? Mm-hmm. And what sort of people who stammer are they going to be if they if they keep on stammering? Are they going to be people with stigma or people who are empowered with 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 with, with how they speak? And I just think we need to think harder about the subtle messages we might send out during sort of early years of therapy. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, no to sam's point as i was reading your article i put myself in the shoes of a parent of a kid who stutters or then also as an sop you know thinking well here you know client comes and what uh, do you do and i noticed that your um article uh it came to that conclusion you were just i guess for for um to fully explain, you were speaking with a, a stuttering re- a researcher who stutters. No, a researcher who studies stuttering. Oh, brother. <laughs> and then a uh, very well-known mutual friend, Grant Meredith, uh, who, st- who stutters. And a, um, it sounds like the article came to the conclusion that there is no middle ground. You know, do you give speech therapy? Do you not? And then I'm thinking... I think there is a middle ground. Could the individual's choice be that middle ground, you know, what that individual wants? You know, and I'm thinking more in terms of the adult who stutters looking for a job interview. That's the type of thinking in my brain you placed <laughs> for three days after I was reading. Actually, actually, all all of the articles. I mean, I haven't um, had a chance to finish reading the book, but I was really amazed by how in-depth and how... Um, thought-provoking, you know, not to, to repeat myself, uh, all these articles are. Um, and then we go from uh, something that really, really uh, resonated with me, and that was Chris, your uh, article, um, Stuttering Naked, which is a nice title. <laughs> but I like, but it's, but the overall, it was about the whole being the, being vulnerable, letting your stutter out. Uh, what resonated with me was that was that in my own book where and I think you know Mitch Trishon, yeah, um, yeah, SLP mutual friend, um, where he uh, like he told me um, something along the lines of stutter. You no, know, when we're caught stuttering, it's that vulnerable moment, our vulnerable moment, and the listener's vulnerable moment. You know, do they turn their eyes away because they're trying to give us that space? you know, to have that vulnerable moment, things like that. And I just thought it was such a such a beautiful way to describe something that we do that's, you know, different, respectable, and something that, I mean, it may break us down, but it also builds us up. I just thought it was such a brilliant way. You know, would you like to speak on your article? I'm not sure if that was the direction you're trying to go with your with your article but uh. no i uh so for for the listeners who haven't uh read the chapter in the book um i was writing about um my 
my experiences of of talking to other people who stutter about what might be good about stuttering um and it seems like the sort of the the conclusions that that many people come to is is they talk about um you know what they what what overcoming their stuttering has given them um and i always I always find that answer a bit unsatisfying because that's 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 not really the question I'm asking, right? I'm not that answering the question in that way con- continues to frame stuttering as something negative, right? It, it continues to frame stuttering as something that has to be overcome, yeah. and 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 I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to take a step back from that, right? So not not what's good about overcoming stuttering, but but what is good about stuttering itself, right? Is 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 there anything worth stuttering for, right? Is is there anything um, worth uh, um, keeping your stuttering around for? And uh, I I I started thinking about this question a lot because there's been some um, con tension over whether researchers should be looking for cures whether we should be talking about cures in this stuttering world if if stuttering is something that should be cured um and even even what patrick was talking about earlier sort of gestures at that with children right if um sort of the 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 underlying question is if we can take stuttering away should we Right? Mm-hmm. And um, I started trying to uh, think about is if there was a pill, right? Is there a reason why I wouldn't take the pill? Yeah. Is there a reason why I, I'd, I'd want to continue to stutter? Is there anything that stuttering gives me um, in the moment that I'm stuttering that I would lose having mm-hmm. taken that pill? Um and so I just started paying attention to uh, when I'm stuttering, right? What's 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 happening? What's what what happens to the conversational landscape? What what happens to the person I'm talking to? What happens to the people around me who are witnessing the conversation? What happens to myself? And um, I had a number of while I was sort of doing this experiment, I had a number of uh, interactions that really made me focus in on this experience of mutual vulnerability um that that by stuttering i was sort of uh forced to let my guard down Mm -hmm. um and that that seems to have an effect on other people right that it, it it gets them to let their guard down too and uh i think it can really foster these these experiences of mutual intimacy that you just wouldn't have if you didn't stutter um and people have said to me are you trying to say that people who don't stutter can't have intimacy and of course i'm not saying that what i'm saying is people who don't stutter can't have intimacy by stuttering right that Mm. when i'm speaking i have these unexpected um moments that um 
stuttering that force an intimacy into the situation. And um, those moments wouldn't happen if I didn't stutter. Um, and of course, I can't say for anybody else, you know, uh, is are those things worth it for you to not take that pill? Right? People have to people have to figure out what what stuttering does for them. Um, but I think stuttering has been framed as so negative for so long that that people don't even let themselves think about, you know. What 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 am I gaining in this moment from stuttering? Like for 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 that to be a radical question is a shame because for most of your other attributes, right? You don't think about it as purely negative or purely positive. It's mm. it's a complicated human trait. Um, there's you know good things about being whatever you are. There's bad things about being whatever you are, and you sort of take the good with the bad. But most people haven't even ask the question, you know, what, what, what do I gain by stuttering? Um, so that's what my chapter was about. I'll definitely be thinking, rethinking that again in the next three days. So what happens like, or rather, rather what, well, what benefit do you see during your stuttering moment besides the intimacy? Yeah. I, th well, I, I think that's the big, that's the big one, right? So, um, I find that, uh, you go around your day wherever you are you're at the office you're at the grocery store you're at the gym you're doing whatever you're doing and when you when you talk to people especially when you talk to strangers um conversations are almost scripted right like mm. you follow this sort of uh implicit rule book for how to interact um you know, you uh, have a certain set of questions that you ask strangers. Hi, how are you doing? They respond in certain ways. Um, and it almost it's almost like we've created ways of interacting in which we don't have to interact. Right. We've 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 like created keep our best foot forward. It's always the best persona. Right. 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 Yeah. It's almost like uh, it's like you're you're using these routines in order to keep distance um, yeah. rather than using conversation to communicate and uh, I think what stuttering does is is it interrupts those routines especially if the person you're talking to is not expecting it right the, if if the person you're talking to is 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 expecting to act out this uh, um, route of of a conversation all of a sudden they don't know what you're doing right you're yeah. you're blocking you're repeating syllables you're repeating words um they're forced to reckon with you as a human being and mm. um hopefully that uh leads to a real conversation maybe and um you know sometimes you're gonna have somebody who's impatient or doesn't have time for your stuttering um but you weren't going to communicate with that person anyway, right? You were going to play out their routine. So there's really mm. nothing lost and there's a lot to gain because you can potentially meet somebody new. Sounds like you've discovered a new form of like uh, desensitization, like uh, avoidance reduction, you know, reflect on, but I'm going off well, tangent. I, but. <laughs> actually, no, I, I, I think what you're saying is, sort of relevant because something else one one of the other reasons I, I i was thinking about this so much is i 
for a couple of years, I was a, a speech therapist in a middle school. Um, so for our non-American audience, that's around ages, that's like early adolescence. Mm. Um, and I had a couple big groups of uh, students who stutter. And um, it, it, trying to help them to stutter openly <laughs> is way easier if really? you can help them come up with reasons to stutter ah. right so so as a therapist i was thinking you know these kids don't want to stutter they're doing everything they can do to not stutter how can we together explore reasons why they might want to stutter wow um and so almost as a as a one of the reasons i was thinking about this question it was as a therapeutic tool how do I how do I help my students? Um, it'll it'll be easier for them to to stop avoiding stuttering if they have a reason to stutter. Does that make sense? I'm gonna be like Patrick and say that's a book that you gotta write, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'll make into a Frankie Binky comic and steal it for my own. <laughs> no, but that's definitely a book. Um, so we're kind of running out of time. Uh, I just wanted to ask, so how has feedback been with this book? To me, this is a five star. This thing blew my mind. This book blew my mind. At first, I was like approaching it, I have to admit, with a little bit of apprehension. Exactly how Sam described as like, oh, difficult conversations. This is awesome. And I couldn't put the book down. Uh, what kind of have you had similar feedback or we'll start with uh, Sam since uh, she hasn't spoken for quite some time. <laughs> Uh, absolutely you know i think um i i think lots of people have opened have, have responded with real open arms and i think um you know certainly um certainly pe people who who stammer that i know have, have very much appreciated i think having a text that it kind of brings some authority doesn't it the written word it does to, yeah ideas seeing them in written written form being able to share them being able to give people copies of the book or copies of chapter and, and, and kind of share these pers perspectives I think it's it's given them some weight um and I think you know also within the, the speech and language therapy community I mean I, I I do think um I do think there's something about timing it's it there, there is there seems to be a sort of climate change at the moment around uh, difference and diversity, around neurodiversity, around um, really kind of honouring and celebrating difference and, and, and human variation. And I think maybe there's a timeliness um, to, to this book. It, it resonates and, and intersects with a, a number of different um, differences that, that, um, that I think you know, also... I suppose supports um, mm. the, the power of the book and some of the stories in it. Yeah, Patrick, what kind of feedback have you noticed or you've received from the book? I know that you also had a uh, a big launch day in the UK yeah, through Stamma. Yeah, we, we had a fabulous launch in London. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, was um, that the one that was live streamed? Because I remember no, watching a live stream. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't live streamed, oh, okay. but um, no, I mean again, a big shout out to City Lit. Really, they they housed a, a fabulous um, book launch. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Sorry, I could, I uh, totally interrupted Patrick's intimate moment in stuttering openly. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that, um, so the launch was like just a brilliant day. It was just a real celebration of stammering. Mm. Um, so we got lots of the people who were writing essays or done art to come and speak and talk and read the poems. And it was just really brilliant, heartwarming day. And everybody was so engaged and so ready to talk, talk openly about stammering in a different way they hadn't done done before. And just 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 made me really happy. The launch. So that has certainly been something I've gained from stammering. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. I think that that's really what we wanted to see from the book is is more of a conversation. We don't want we don't want feedback. We we want people to explore it themselves. Mm. And see what and see what they make of it and what they want to write afterwards. Cool. Um, yeah. Chris? Oh, sorry, Sam, you're about to say? <laughs> Chris, <laughs> what kind of feedback have you received? Um, I think I just want to echo what Stan and Patrick have received. It, people um, who I've spoken to about the book have uh, told me that um, when they first picked up the book, they thought they were going to hate it. Right? They were, um, <laughs> that was you know, kind of <laughs> speech therapists coming from a more fluency perspective, mm. and just that they they found the ideas really challenging and thought provoking. Yeah. And um, I think that's what we were hoping to accomplish is is get people to think more deeply about these issues, um, to to maybe not take things for granted that they've been taking for granted. Um, and the it it seems so far that it's been really well received our uh the um company who's been carrying the book in the united states uh stammering uh stuttering therapy resources yeah. um brought brought a bunch of books to the asha conference the um which Ooh, is the nice um big conference for american speech therapists every year and they all sold out which was fantastic. nice congrats so uh people seem interested um it seems like it's it's starting conversations uh and so that's as patrick was saying that that's really what we wanted was for people to um just think more deeply about what they're doing yeah we were ho- we were hoping this was the start of the conversation not the end of it mm-hmm. well great job patrick was did you want to say something I think I don't think you mentioned <laughs> how many brilliant contributors we had to the book. That's right. How many amazing people wrote in. I mean, you've sort of concentrated on sort of our three Yeah, but yeah. I would say they're completely overshadowed, shadowed by the sheer volume and quality of of just people who stammer, speech therapists, yeah. artists. I mean, yeah. even the. Yeah. I mean, even the titles. Why stutter more? Uh, time bound. Um, a journey in eight events. Uh, fi- um, fi- no, finding our voices at work. Looking back, well, looking back, looking forward is yours, Sam. <laughs> um, you know, of course, the famous Nina G is in there too. Transforming the stuttering iceberg. Uh, tale of two therapists. Have you received any negative feedback or like, how dare you question my authority, <laughs> or things like that? Or well, to uh, be fair, we're waiting, aren't we? We're, we're... We've sent the book out. We're waiting. <laughs> the way it sounds. And um, we're waiting for all of those reviews to come back. So I'm, I am, you know, I'm sure, and I think we would welcome um, yeah. 
people you know we want as, as Christian said we want to open a very honest dialogue and and people have different positions and perspectives and we'll, we'll only move forward I think in terms of our thinking and um yeah. our thinking and understandings of stammering if we all come around the table and and have the, these delicate conversations together mm-hmm. so um we are we are in that kind of interim space really of, of waiting for all of these reviews to, yeah. to come back and as you've mentioned before um the you know the times are changing you know, we're being more, you know, society, or at least Western society, it seems. I can't really speak to outside of Western, but we seem to be more um, open to differences and, you know, the social model. And I had a conversation with an SOP the other day about how he was saying something like um, around the last 10 years or so, um, things have been moving towards the social model of stuttering. Uh, away from so it sounds like there is a lot of change and your book is definitely turbocharging that has that potential to turbocharge so make sure you get that into the hands of everybody <laughs> so, Thank yeah. you. so where can people or or yeah uh, let me say list, listeners listeners are people too where can listeners uh, order <laughs> copies <laughs> So if you're in the UK or Europe, you can order it from Change in our press directly. It costs £19.99. And if you're in the States, it's with Touching Therapy Resources. Okay, and um, I'll add the links in the show notes for that, for those two. JR-PressCo.UK, that's the address, the one that's right in the back of the book. That one there? Okay. <laughs> and then Therapy Resource, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. DutteringTherapyResources.com. That was my chat with Patrick Campbell, Christopher Constantino, and Sam Simpson, who are shaking things up for the good. And that is the end of this episode, <laughs> 242 of the Stuttering is Cool podcast. I want to hear from you. What do you think? Have you read the book? Are you going to order the book? Let me know. Or even other topics. Uh, record using. No, maybe the uh, voice memo app on your smartphone. I know you all have one. And if you don't, use other software. <laughs> uh, record what? Say what? Four minutes uh, of audio? Email it to me at coolstutter at gmail.com and I'll play it on the next episode of this podcast. And so, until then, may your stuttering always be with confidence. Ciao.